Hey, everybody, this is T.C. Rollins. And this is Rain DeGray. And we want to welcome you to episode 120 of the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast. We don't know when to quit. We just keep going. We do. This has been happening every week for the last two and a half years. We've been doing these After Hour podcasts. Originally, they were available only on our Patreon, but Recently, we decided to switch things up a little bit, and we are going to be offering every other episode on a regular feed. So you might be wondering why it's episode 120 that you're just coming into now, and it's because we've been doing it for two and a half years. (laughs) We've been at this a while, and they were all behind a paywall, but we have so much fun doing these, and we do them every week that we wanted to share them with you so you could see what sort of shenanigans we get up to on a weekly basis. Yes. These are a lot more informal than the regular podcasts we do. We find weird, random stuff that we find interesting to talk about. And we discuss upcoming ideas for future regular podcast episodes. We're figuring that we do this because it's been taking us a while to do the regular episodes. I know they come out about once a month, but there's a lot of work that has been going into them, especially recently, as we've gotten more and more Baroque with them. My friend, you and I do not see eye to eye. Sometimes you get a little too Baroque in my mind. You start, you really like to add the sauces. I go a little bit more streamlined. But yes, because there's a delay, there's a delay on these podcasts. Don't look at me, my friends. It is entirely on my co-host who is off Baroqueing in a corner. Uh, That is why there can be occasionally a delay in getting the big podcast out. And this was our compromise is that we started doing these weekly ones because you're like, hey, I want to put out more. I want to put out more. I was like, all right, I, I let's do. do a weekly thing where we'll get together and talk about more topical things. Because I really like getting into the audio adventure of putting together these yes. huge elaborate things. Yes, you do. So we've decided for filler in between when the regular episodes come out that we will be releasing these ones every other week. All the even-numbered episodes will be appearing in our regular RSS feed, and all the odd-number ones will still be available on Patreon only. To make a long story short, welcome to episode 120 of the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast. Huzzah, huzzah. Next week, we're going to be doing our Problem with Masturbation follow-up episode. If you want to join us on Patreon for that, I did get a good response. We put it out in the Problem with Masturbation episode because we want to stop using that word that we shall not be using anymore. I got a good response from Rocky that does the Wild Nights podcast for an alternative, and I really like it. It is Paradise Grove. That's actually quite nice. I think yeah. it's quite nice. I mean, like, oh, uh, yeah. what is what? It's what's she been doing in the bathroom this whole time? Oh, he's just in his paradise grove. <laughs> I was also considering 
pleasure grotto because grotto just has this nice feeling to it. It's a very nice, relaxing word. And it also seems kind of wet, like a grotto would be wet, wouldn't it? Yes. However, when I think grotto, I also think of the grotto at the Playboy Mansion, which after a while I think was so wet and funky that it just like started getting kind of musky smelling. (laughs) So when you think of grotto, you think musky? I do think of the Playboy Grotto, and I have heard from people that have been there that it's starting to get a little funky after a while. There's just a lot of DNA all over the place. Well, maybe not everybody associates Grotto with that musty funkiness. How could you not? How could you not? I think think of a grotto. I think of a paradise, a nice tropical island. I'm just sitting here alone in in my pleasure grotto. What's Chris been doing all afternoon? Oh, he's just been locked in his room in his pleasure grotto. And you can even use it in polite company. Be like, oh, excuse me, I'm having a wonderful conversation, but I'm going to go explore my pleasure grotto now. Or Paradise Grove, either one. I, I, I th- I'm going to vote. My vote is for Paradise Grove. Thank you, Rocky, for Paradise Grove. If anybody else has any ideas for alternatives that we could use instead of the masturbation word. And if you don't know why we're calling for an end to that word, go ahead and listen to the last episode, which was the problem with masturbation, and we will let you know all about it. I want to start off this week with some science. Yay, science. You ready for some science? Bring it. In a new study that was published on February 19th, it's it's kind of, I guess, would be put under the category of, well, isn't that obvious? This study was released from the University of Nicosia in Cyprus, and the person that wrote this, this uh, Menelaos Apastoaulu, I'm sorry, I'm really butchering the name. I can't. I just can't. I'm sorry. They wanted to find out why people were involuntarily single. What was found during this study is the main reason that people are involuntarily single is because they don't know how to flirt. Flirting is the first expression of interest that leads to you not being single. So yes, I would imagine that if you don't have that particular skill set mastered, your chances of being involuntarily single would be much higher. The hierarchy of reasons for being single was followed by the low ability to recognize reciprocal flirting, the lack of effort and a high degree of choosiness were the main reasons why people were involuntarily single. Mm. Oh, yes, all of those checks out. I don't need to do a science study to have told you that, but well, that's I agree I'm saying. with this I study. This, this file of this under like, uh, duh. The thing I found most interesting about this study when it was broken down, and this was a study that involved uh, a little over 1,200 Greek-speaking men and women, so... This is for the Greeks. What's you know good for the Greeks, I guess, is the good for the rest of society. The theory is that since flirting is a relatively recent phenomenon for human beings, because traditionally going back even just a hundred years ago, most marriages would just be set up between families, and you wouldn't even need to go out and meet somebody. Since we are now reliant on going out and meeting people, flirting has become an invaluable skill in finding people. The theory is, since it's such a new thing, poor flirting hasn't been weeded out evolutionarily yet. Uh I don't know if flirting is an innate 
evolutionary skill? Do you do you think it's biological? I don't know that it would be. I, I think that flirting probably fits in with communication and interacting with your fellow humans. And the worse you are at interacting with your fellow humans, the less your chance of getting your DNA passed on. So not necessarily an innate skill, but we've never needed flirting as an ability. It was you marriage brokers, you get arranged. You don't like the person you're getting married to. That's not important about liking them. And you didn't need to flirt. So yes, I would see how it is a new skill set and certainly one that not everyone has. And if enough generations pass where people that are really bad at flirting don't reproduce, it stands to reason that poor flirting would start to get weeded out of the gene pool. Yeah. So I've I've always been horrible at flirting. I've thankfully been able to be fairly lucky in relationships, but I am terrible at flirting. There's classes for that, you know. Do you teach classes on flirting? I myself don't teach a flirting class. Maybe I should. I see them advertised all the time. All of my education and all of my classes break down to communication, which is what flirting would be. Mm -hmm. Clearly stating your desires and interests. Correct. Moving on from flirting to dog poop. Smooth transition, <laughs> my friend. Yes, flirting and then and then... The bowel movements of canines. Yeah, I could see that transition. That was natural. Go on. <laughs> Don't you love my transitions, though? Okay. I didn't realize this until I read this article. But once I read it, it was a big aha moment for me. I have not been seeing the white mummified ghosts of dog poop for a long time. If you remember when you when we were kids, most of the dog poop you would see around, it would be white and crusty and flaky. Where were you hanging out? Parks where people would just let their dog shit all over the place? Uh, huh. You don't remember I'm... seeing any any white dog poop, like just mummified crumbly white no. turds. No. Huh. I've co completely missed out on <laughs> Ghost dog turds? Yes. This thing. is why you tune in to the Dirty Talk podcast, my friends, is for stellar conversation like this. I don't know about any ghost dog poop. No, I can't. Oh, for there are listeners that were around in the 70s and 80s, they can attest, according to this article, the, the chalky white dog poop was everywhere in the 1970s and the 80s, but it began to disappear in the 1990s. And... Thinking back, I remember when I was a kid, most of the poop you would come upon in the park was just white chalky poop. But as it turns out, and I didn't realize until I read this article, it's because the commercial dog food has changed beginning in the 1990s. They used to have an overabundance of meat and bone meal that they would use for filler in the dog poop. And they would both contain high levels of calcium. And as they've changed the dog food and they've gone to more of a wild, natural diet for the dogs, because everybody wants to buy the high-end dog food for the dogs now and make sure they are like eating like wolves ate, they've eliminated all this calcium in there. What happened before is when the dogs would poop, the sun would dry out all the other matter in there, only leaving the calcium and leaving these crumbly white poops everywhere. And I clearly remember this from when I was a kid. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just, I've never seen it. Maybe I just wasn't hanging out with filthy people that weren't picking up dog poop. <laughs> and you're just in, in parks with tumbleweeds and, and massive white piles of calcified 
dog remains. <laughs> I don't. I missed out on all of that, and I'm. I think I'm okay with missing out on it. I. What sort of remember. parks were you hanging out at as a kid? Obviously, the kind where people would just let their overly calcified dogs poop all over the place. I see. Okay. I asked my daughter about it. She agrees that she has seen it, but I don't think it's as prevalent these days. Anyways, I would like to hear from people if they too remember this was a phenomenon. This was definitely a phenomenon. And according to this article, it was a phenomenon. I believe you. I just obviously did not know a lot of people that had dogs as kids. And I guess I didn't hang out in the park a lot. Unfortunately, the, the children of today will not know this phenomenon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Not, what a sorry, tragic suffering for all of them, I'm sure. The takeaway that I would like to offer with all of our listeners is clean up after your goddamn dogs. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's definitely the, the overall takeaway from that. We don't want to have to run into the, the ghosts of your dog's poop anywhere. We do not. The last science article I was reading this week there is a proposal from the University of Arizona to send jizz to the moon. I, I mean, I do know that people that produce the jizz like to distribute it everywhere they possibly can. So what are they thinking? You know what is missing from the moon is a collection Vast of my jizz. quantities of jizz. Why, why do they want to uh, get jizz on the moon? <laughs> Obviously, you want to get jizz on the face of the moon. Is it just like massive thrust? The money happening? shot. Like, yeah. The reason why they want to send jizz to the moon is that the earth is unstable. We could face any sort of catastrophe from super volcanoes to global nuclear war to being hit by an asteroid again, all sorts of things. We do have a world seed bank in Svalbard, which is buried under ice. However, because of global warming, some of that permafrost is melting, and there is concern that if sea levels rise, the Svalbard seed bank might someday be underwater itself. They theorize the only safe place for humanity and all the other plants and animals of the world is on the moon. They want to build what they call an ark, and instead of taking two of every animal, I think they want to take... 50 different samples of fungus, animals, humans, and store it safely in cryogenic freezers deep in lava tunnels on the moon. So if anything were to happen to the earth, they would still have this backup of almost every species on the planet saved in the moon. My question, though, is if the earth is destroyed, who's going to be using these cryogenic frozen backups. I doubt any alien civilization is ever going to come upon the planet. The likelihood, if you do the math, is extremely low. If there was a catastrophe here and we're, we say to ourselves, hey, we need to repopulate the planet, how the hell are we then going to get to the moon to get all the genetic material to bring it back? And finally, who are the 50 individuals that are going to provide the sperm and the eggs that we are going to be sending to the moon? Elite, intelligent, PhD, muscle-bound, charismatic genius folk, obviously. Uh, Yes, you're right. Uh, But you have to... Us humans, we really are into the jizz and the eggs and and perpetuating the species. Uh, I guess the thought would be that the entire world wouldn't explode, but there'd still be someone around with some sort of access to 
moon transportation <laughs> spaceships you're like you're, there's there's nuclear war and the climate change and everything's melting but there's one astronaut who knows how to pilot a rocket and they'll get up to the moon extract all of the sperm and the eggs and bring it back down and then repopulate the earth i it's a backup plan i guess people like backup plans it is a backup plan i know it's 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 uh, been uh, theorized in science fiction for a long time, building some sort of arc full of information, genetic material, and just sending it out into the universe and then hoping somebody finds it. Uh, if we came upon some alien arc full we of would, alien jizz. Let's roll the dice and, <laughs> and make alien babies and see what happens. Yeah, sure. uh, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, yeah, if anyone other than fellow humans finds it, they're not exactly going to try and re-kickstart that because that's how all bad horror films start. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm just in the lab tinkering. What happens when I combine these things? Oh, alien face sucker. But like I said, the odds of any alien species coming upon any of it are so astronomically slim that you are almost better off not even putting in the time and energy and doing it in the first place. Come here to the Dirty Talk podcast where we crush your dreams with cynicism. Don't bother. No one's going to find your jizz. Even if they do, they're not going to want to reactivate it. Exactly. I mean. Uh, there's always hope. hope. As you say, there's always hope. There's always hope. Hope remained in the box, you cynical bastard. Uh, we're going to do it because we're really into keeping the species going. I'm certain. Uh, who knows? Roll the dice and find out what happens. Speaking of jizz in space. Jizz in space. Did you did you like my segue? That was better than dog poop, <laughs> by the way. I'm just saying. I found that interesting. I feel that this was a smoother transition. <laughs> I also have some jizz in space I would like to share with Thank you. Thank you for lubing up that transition to make it nice and smooth and palatable. <laughs> You're welcome. Men. Why men? Why? Why men? Why men? Men? Why men? I uh, <laughs> Did you catch the news recently where they want to do an all-female astronaut crew? No, I didn't see that. Yes, they are. They uh, And of course, the right-wingers and the patriarch and the conservative people are using this as proof of how fragile snowflakes we are these days. They released a photo of the all-female crew. And of course, where my mind went immediately, they're like, well, if we have only women, we won't have to worry about pregnancy. We won't have to worry about sex. We won't have to worry about people being unfocused from the mission. But when you put men and women together, you know, it's men and women that are in shape and stuck in close quarters before you know it. Mm -hmm. Well, the people get happens. bored. It's been, it's been shown over and over again throughout history when people are stuck together and they get bored, sex tends to follow as a way to pass the time. And, and because they don't want to deal with pregnancies and children in space or the tension of hooking up and then having things not work out and then you're stuck on a spaceship staring at each other, they're trying to circumvent that by doing an all-female crew. My thought immediately was, how, how do you know that the only thing you're not going to have to worry about is pregnancy? But if you get a bunch of women up there, it's like, oh, no one's going to be banging. Maybe they're all banging. Who knows? It happens in female prisons all the time. It ha it, correct. One of the workarounds that they are proposing for Mars colonization is to take all female crews, which eliminate the tension, the uh, possible issues that can happen. 
and bring up frozen sperm. So all you need are women and frozen sperm in order for there to be colonization. Mm -hmm. We are not just going to be putting frozen jizz samples on the moon, but if we're going to successfully colonize other planets, it is a high probability we will do that with all female crews that are carrying frozen sperm with them. So when they get to the new location, they can then have a pregnancy safely. They've already done tests and they have found that sperm that is kept up in space doesn't mutate or grow second legs or get all twitchy. They've found that sperm is just as viable, almost as viable in space as it is on Earth. So they are already doing the tests and preventative measures. And it might end up being that how we end up on Mars is a pack of lesbian astronauts having a whole bunch of sex while carrying vials of frozen baby batter. They could theoretically use this moon base as a sperm bank in space. Correct. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. They just, they launch them up on their way to Mars. They stop by the moon. They scoop up some, some jizz and then they are on their merry way to repopulate another planet. And they have found that all gender crews, either all male or all female, tend to work better because they have better team cohesion. Hmm. All right. I'm all for it. I can't help but notice that the team that got proposed wasn't actually an all-male team, but it was an all-female team. Well, it's a lot harder for those males to get pregnant, if need be. Yes, that's true. Uh, speaking of men, have you ever thought about, as a man, what your gun is missing? Um, well, my gun is missing bullets. Because I don't, well, I, first of all, I'm missing a gun because I haven't bought a gun. And right, so I'm missing right. a gun and I'm missing bullets. Yes. So that's the only, that's the, those are the only two things my gun is missing. I have the gun and the bullets and my gun is not missing anything. But there are men who have gone two steps further than you and have the gun and have the bullets and feel that their gun is still missing something. And in this case, what these men feel their gun is missing is a massive metallic pair of testicles. Oh, of course. That's right. If you have a gun, shooty, shooty, bang, bang, where you are thrusting your hot load of lead into Just spraying things, it everywhere. Just spraying it everywhere in order to really bring the manliness to the table, your gun is missing the tack sack. I like the rhyme there. Here's the picture. Nice. I'll of the put that up sack. with the episode. Balls are a physical marker of manhood in most men. The tack sack is a perfect example. Right on your firearm, it's high speed, low hang. I would think that if I have a gun and I want it to shoot effectively, probably strapping a pair of heavy metal testicles off the front of it would maybe make it a little harder to shoot. But if you feel that your gun is missing it, it's a, a gag gift and for hunters. So you get your gun, you get your metal balls, you strap it onto your pointy bang bang, and then let's spray my friends. You don't want people mistakenly thinking that you're shooting some sort of female gun. No. What kind of pansy would shoot some sort of chick gun, right? I mean, this is obviously the natural evolution of the balls on trucks because, you know, this, this yes. truck's got balls. I ain't driving no bitch truck here. 
That's what they are. The the makers of the tax sack are saying that this is the natural progression. Once you have balls on your truck, you also want balls on the end of your gun. My thought whenever I see things like that is that the person had to buy those to compensate for their lack of. I would feel that way as well. That has always been my thought on it. But I'm sure that the people that are driving around with testicles dangling off of their guns and trucks would disagree with you <laughs> and say that they are just just showcasing the glorious testicle sack they've got going on because they are all man, baby. Yeah. All man. Straight men. Because I've, I've found that straight men are the ones that are most concerned with the size of penises and the size of balls. They're very focused on large cocks and big fucking balls. Yes. Yes, they are. I'm I, gay men as well, but it is it is surprising to me just how much focus uh, straight men do on that. I know because I get emails about it all of the time, and they are and pictures, really, pictures, pictures. There are pictures in the emails. Yes, yes. Um, and now for something completely different. <laughs> Good segue. Thank you, thank you. It is still about sexy times. It is a little, and it does involve testicles somewhat tangentially okay, i have been tangential speaking... testicles i like <laughs> the alliteration and and not off of your guns mm -hmm. i have been speaking for the past couple of years for anyone who has followed me on social media about the increasing levels of censorship that is happening and how censorship is unevenly and unequally applied a huge example is that female celebrities that have higher status can get away with arty nudes that if someone was a sex worker or an escort or someone who worked for OnlyFans would not be able to get away with. Mm. So even the rules of what is and isn't okay is unevenly applied from person to person. And the rules and, and goalposts for what censorship is, is shifting by the week. It's very hard to be in compliance. As an advice columnist, one of the questions I get a lot from people is, where is a dating app? Where can I find poly people, kinky people, whatever my fetish, where can I find fellow swingers? And there was an app that was out there that was getting a lot of traction. I heard a lot of good things about it. It had uh, definitely had people that were using it that were really happy with it. And it was a polyamory app and it was called Open. And it was specifically a dating app designed for poly people. Uh -huh. Other than that, it was it was basically Match or OkCupid. The only thing that made it different than any other dating app is that it was designed for poly people. And heaven forbid, once you shift from Christian Mingle to Open, it's you're only adding another body, but all of a sudden it becomes forbidden. I only find my prospective partners on uh, Paranormal Date that's that's the app I use, just Paranormal Date. It's the best one. And that hasn't been kicked off of Google Play services, but Google Play did kick off Open, which was a completely successful app that had a lot of people using it, and they really liked it. And they kicked it off because it was a poly app. That's it. And it Was becomes, that their direct reasoning for it? No, no. They use vague guidelines that conveniently apply to unconventional brands and thoughts. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, every social media platform, because they are the gatekeepers, 
you can't possibly be in compliance because it's not clear what the rules are. Yeah, and the goalposts change all the time. The the nudity stuff that female celebrities are allowed to get away with, but a female fetish model or a female escort could not. It wasn't a male nipple is what you're saying. <laughs> this app was not the male nipple equivalent of dating apps. Yes. The simple fact of the matter is that this is out of our control and yet another example of how quickly and effortlessly thousands of marginalized individuals can be silenced. The Twitter account for Open Tweeted. Facebook, Instagram, and other large tech companies alike continue to suppress content, ideologies, and in turn communities through vague guidelines that seem to conveniently apply to unconventional brands and thoughts. As someone who is an educator and is online, I know that the goalposts are always shifting. At any moment, they can tell you you're not in compliance with these vague terms of use. They are the gatekeepers, and if they decide they don't like what you're doing, you have no other options. Yeah. We've shifted everyone to the internet and now access to the internet and access to everyone else is having to be channeled through these gatekeepers. And these gatekeepers can decide, we don't like what you're doing. Your Christian Mingle app, that's okay. Match, that's okay. Okay, Cupid, that's okay. Farmers only, go ahead. Farmers only, fine and dandy. Poly farmers only, you're gone. I feel really passionately about this because of censorship, because we are almost all on the internet and that's how we get our information. And we tend to think of the internet as this vast pool of all the information in the world, but it's not. Our access to that information has to go through gatekeepers. And if they decide they think the information's icky, you lose access to it. Yeah. It's just a, basically a handful of companies that are controlling everything that you can see online. I just got a notification. I put it up on our Instagram page about a week ago. The image that we used for the amateur porn group play dynamics with naked mole rats image got flagged on Facebook. They said that it went against their community standards and it was going to be taken down. And if you've seen the image, it's obviously a joke image. There's two cartoon naked mole rats, one with a collar on and one with uh, a cat and nine tails. (laughs) It's like... Who is opposed to this? What community standards? And it was posted like two years ago. And it went, you can never tell when something's going to get flagged. Probably what tripped the algorithm was the word naked. And then it was kinky BDSM mole rats. Well, it was, it was amateur porn naked yeah, mole rats. Por- that's okay, why we well, can't. That's why it got flagged. Yeah. That is a naughty title. That is censorship. <laughs> People that are creating stuff like you and me are, my friend, are always fighting against censorship. They don't like this stuff. It makes them uncomfortable. They feel squicky inside. And then they flag and pull down your content. It happens all of the time. Speaking of polyamory and censorship. That's a smooth transition. I'm all about the smooth transitions. And this has nothing to do with dog poop, I guarantee. (laughs) Big tech companies aren't the only ones that are censoring people. The biggest censor of all is, of course, the government. Governments do like to censor. It's true. I've been working on a podcast episode about strange sex laws for a while now. I've been collecting them because you come across these top 10 lists of the weirdest laws in every state, right? Mm -hmm. And I look into some of them and some of them are just complete bullshit and it just all depends on how you read the law. A little while ago, you sent me an article with some of these and I looked into them. 
one of the laws on there was about teaching polygamy in Mississippi. So, of course, I went and started reading into the Mississippi laws, particularly chapter 29, Crimes Against Public Morals and Decency. So Title 97, Chapter 29 of the Mississippi Code. And yes, Law 97-29-43, Polygamy, Teaching of. I'm going to read the law to you here. If any person shall teach another the doctrines, principles, or tenets, or any of them of polygamy, or shall endeavor so to do, or shall induce or persuade another by words or acts, or otherwise to embrace or adopt polygamy, or to emigrate to another state, territory, district, or country for the purpose of embracing, adopting, or practicing polygamy, or shall endeavor to do so, he shall, on conviction, be fined no less than $25, no more than $500, or be imprisoned in the county jail not less than one month and not more than six months, or both. It is against the law to teach anybody about polygamy in Mississippi. Here's the catch-22 of this law that I see. You can't even explain the law to anyone without breaking the law. I can't teach you about a thing. I can't. How do you say? Yeah, you can't. You can't you say somebody the law like, without- oh. Yeah, be like, oh, it's against the law to teach polygamy. And they're like, what's polygamy? But like, I can't tell you or I'd be breaking the law. So I can't even describe to you what this law is about and what you can and cannot tell somebody because of this law, because therefore I'd be breaking this law. It's almost like you cannot suppress knowledge. (laughs) I also find it interesting that it is assuming that is men that are going to be doing this. It does say he for the law, right? Yes. Not she. It's not about the person that has five different spouses, no. So they're assuming it's going to be men that are going to be breaking this law, not women. Yeah. Where do you put all of the wives after the man ends up in jail? Well, obviously, they're left to fend for themselves. They can move to Utah. <laughs> but I don't know how they would prosecute it if you told somebody about it and be like, hey, let's move to this other state. They can't go into the other state and be like, did you learn about polygamy in Mississippi and then move to this state? If so, then we're extraditing you to Mississippi to stay at trial. One of my other favorite laws from Mississippi, Code 97-29-59, unnatural intercourse. Every person who shall be convicted of the detestable and abominable crime against nature committed with mankind or with a beast shall be punished by imprisonment in the penitentiary for a term of not more than 10 years. It doesn't even state what unnatural intercourse is because it could be with a person or an animal. It's up to the judge to decide if the intercourse that you had was natural or unnatural. Those are my top crazy laws from Mississippi. More to come because I have been working on this weird sex law podcast for a while. I don't know when it's going to be completed, but at some point. I really appreciate you guys joining us this week for another Dirty Talk After Hours. I believe, Mr. Gray, you have a jaunty salute for us. I do. One jaunty salute, over and out. We will catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.